Some of you know, but not all of you, that the beginning of August, I spent 12 days in Spain and in Portugal. And I took a group of people from Fuller Theological, Phil, I can't speak today, Fuller Theological Seminary um, with me on a spiritual pilgrimage, there they are, on the Camino de Santiago. The Camino de Santiago is a world-famous spiritual pilgrimage. If you have never heard of it, don't feel bad because I had neither. Many spiritual pilgrimages have their roots in Catholicism originally. And this spiritual pilgrimage um, is named after St. James the Apostle, who, is, who has said to have gone to Spain to spread the gospel. He went back to Jerusalem where he was martyred. His bones were taken back to Spain, and he was buried there and then lost. It's always interesting how people lose bones, right? Only to be discovered later, it was believed, and when they discovered St. James' bones, they built a beautiful cathedral in the site. And so as most spiritual pilgrimages begin, they begin as a spiritual quest from some place where you're starting to a particular place, in this case, the cathedral where St. James is said to have been buried. Now, this pilgrimage uh, has lots of different starting places. You can start in Spain, you can start in France, you can start in Portugal. And it's been sanctioned by the Catholic Church, which means it's an official pilgrimage site. And if you walk at least 100 kilometers, you get a special certificate from the Catholic Church, which is kind of cool. So we took 22 people with us to walk this pilgrimage. Now, pilgrimage is just a way of spending time, really, with God. It's a unique way, of course, to spend time with God. But what you do is you spend each day walking. We walked about 12 miles a day for six days from right over the border of Portugal in a little town called Tui, Spain, all the way to Santiago where the cathedral is. And we spent time walking in silence, walking alone. Sometimes we'd walk together, but we always walked with Jesus. We always thought about walking step in step with Jesus. And that story of the Emmaus Road became my story. Walking with Christ. It's beautiful. Some days we were in, 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 in sort of fields with, with vineyards, and, and some days we were on asphalt and little, and little uh, villages that were, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years old. It was just beautiful and fantastic. And it became a metaphor. It's an analogy, right, of the life of the Christian. We're all on a pilgrimage. We're all trying to walk and understand and think and be and listen to the Spirit of God. Now, there's lots of ways to walk the Camino, but I wanted to walk it this way, without a map. No map. I knew where I started, and I knew all along there was going to be signs. Let me show you some of these signs. This is the classic sign of the Camino. That's a scallop shell at the top there. Scallops are indigenous to that part of Spain, and it is said that the early pilgrims used scallop shells to receive food from the monasteries and the places that they went along the way. Many of the pilgrims didn't have much money. They had come from a long way. There were also, of course, royalty and kings and people who've also made this trip. But many of the pilgrims were poor, and they would carry these shells, and they would get their food, put it like a little plate. And then that, yellow, that little yellow arrow— Here's another example. Here's some of the cobblestones we walked on one day. You can go ahead. Sometimes the arrows look like this. Just someone had painted a yellow arrow on the side of some rock. Here's another one. 
Sometimes there's kind of a big shrine with big pictures. That yellow, it's hard to miss that yellow uh, uh, symbol. Next one. I don't know if you can see it there, but on that pole is painted a little yellow sign. Just a little yellow, someone with the, I don't know who does this. I was thinking, like, if I was a teenager in Spain, I'd have so much fun, right, punking the pilgrims. Yeah, go this way, go that way. Here's an example of some of the some of wooded areas that we'd walk in during the course of the day. Next one. Here's another example. You see the scallop shell there. Sometimes they were almost like little, uh, uh, someone had erected this in a beautiful way. Next one. Can you see that yellow one there just randomly kind of in the woods? On the, I don't know what those, those things were, but there they were, and there was the sign. And the next one, this one you can barely see. That's just that little piece of uh, concrete is sticking up about four feet, and it's got a little yellow sign there. Next one. And here's how we, this is what it looks like when you end up in Santiago at the beautiful cathedral. Next one. There it is, different golden hour, we say, right? And next one, here's it at night. Hold the next one, Joel, for just a second. You could see, though, right, couldn't you, that in some ways, again, there's another beautiful metaphor and analogy of being on a, spil- a, a, a spiritual pilgrimage. Will I see the signs? Will I notice the direction that I'm supposed to go? Or maybe in the language of the series that we have been in recently, will I be able to hear the Spirit? Now, I've heard that some people get lost on the pilgrimage. I got lost a couple times. (laughs) I missed a sign. But sometimes we had signs like this. Are you kidding me? Can anybody testify to that one? (laughs) You ever feel like the Spirit said, well, either way is fine. (laughs) Right? That, what that actually meant was you could go either way, right? You could go either way and you're going to end up at the same place. One, one way might have certain things and one way might have another way. But it was powerful and meaningful and moving for me to be able to walk this pilgrimage. Again, imagine six days where your main task is to walk with Jesus. To be alone with Christ. And we listened and we brought questions with us. We had conversations with Jesus. We had conversations with people from our past. I found myself having a conversation with my mom who passed away about a year ago. Other people had conversations with saints or with their, their ancestors. Or, I mean, they weren't, they weren't hearing something, right? But they were remembering. They're remembering. They're bringing their questions. They're looking, Christ, Lord, Jesus, Spirit, what's next for me? And it is our journey. That is our journey in this life. So we've been learning a lot about the Spirit in this series, and Pastor Joe's been teaching us many things here. I just want to review a couple things with you, because if this is true, that the spiritual journey is listening to the Spirit, then we need to pay attention to that, right? It behooves us to think about it. Well, what we first learned was that when we speak of the Spirit, we're speaking of God. We're speaking of the Trinitarian God, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. You can pray to the Spirit. The Spirit is involved in saving us, redeeming us, sanctifying us, healing us, teaching us. We talk about the three persons of the Trinity having different tasks, but they are always united in the production of those tasks. So whenever we see Jesus saving, we know the Father and the Spirit are there as well. Whenever we feel we're being comforted by the Spirit, we can know that the Father and the Son are also there. 
They're always united in the activities, even though we talk about each one having some unique and distinctive tasks. We've learned that the Spirit is a companion or advocate for us to the Father and for the Father back to us. We have learned that the Spirit is our companion. And Jesus says in John 14, the Spirit will be with you forever. You are not left as orphans. Beautiful. We have learned that the Spirit is in us, wants to indwell us, is among us, is between us. Even as the Father is in the Son and the Son is in the Father, Jesus prays, I pray that we will be in them. The Spirit will be in them and they will be in us. We've learned in John 14 that the Spirit will teach us everything and will remind us of all that Jesus said. Important, right? Remind us of all the Spirit has said. In John 16, the Spirit will guide us into all truth. Pretty important. And as Jesus prays in John 17, as Jesus prays in the Spirit and with the Spirit, he actually prays for us. We talk about how sometimes in the Bible we have to remember that the writer wasn't necessarily thinking of us. But in, in, in Jesus' farewell discourse, he prays for the disciples, and then he prays for the people who will believe because of the disciples. And that's us, right? And he prays this. He prays that the Spirit will make us one. That the Spirit will make us one. Again, he says, as the Father and I are one, I pray that you will make them one. Not just so we can have wonderful Christian, warm, fuzzy community feelings. Nothing wrong with that. But Jesus says to make them one so that the world will know that you have sent me from the Father. Our oneness, friends, is a testimony to the world of who Jesus is. Or our lack of oneness is a testimony to the world, isn't it? Well, if all of this is true, if all of this is right, what the Spirit is, what the Spirit does, who the Spirit is, then we better listen. We better look for the signs. We better pay attention, right? But in this story of the Emmaus Road, which I love. Thank you for reading it so beautifully today. There's this great line. It's a troubling line, though. It says that the disciples were prevented from recognizing him. Has that always intrigued you? They were prevented from recognizing him. Why were they prevented? Well, we don't know exactly. We don't know if Jesus was in disguise somehow. We know if he had his hood way down. <laughs> we don't know what was up was going on there. I wonder sometimes if it was the disciples' own grief that kept them from seeing Jesus. They were so disappointed. This is three days after the, 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 the crucifixion. And maybe they just can't, in their grief, believe what is right there in front of them. And so they miss it. But it got me thinking, and maybe you're already ahead of me, what prevents us from recognizing Jesus? Or in the language of this series, what prevents us from hearing the Spirit of God in our lives? Sometimes it's just plain old busyness, isn't it? Man, you are a busy people. I am a busy person too. That's another thing that Camino teaches you. Like, slow down. I walked really fast one day. I was the second person to our, 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 our stop for that night. I walked fast. And I hurt <laughs> the next day. And someone wise said to me, Brad, you need to make yourself walk slow. So I went from about a 17 or 18 minute mile to a 26 minute mile. 
That was consciously slowing myself down. That was hard, man. I did not like that. I'd get going, feeling, get, nope, slow down. Okay. Look at that water bug. Wow. That's pretty cool. I can do a circle and keep going. You know, slowing down. Our busyness. We're so busy. We don't find time to sit and listen and commune and wonder and practice hearing the Spirit of God. Sometimes it's our ideologies, our philosophies, even our religion. Can I say that? That keeps us from hearing the Spirit of God. Pastor Joe's talked about our humility. Sometimes our lack of humility gets in the way. We're so sure that we've been taught something. We're so sure that this is the way things ought to be that the Spirit could knock on your door and say, hey, you know what? I want you to think about it this way. And you'd say, I'm sorry, I don't recognize you. Did you come from the district office? Did a general superintendent send you? Otherwise, I don't know. I don't know who you are. Aren't you glad today that the early Christians listened to the Spirit? Aren't you glad that Peter on that rooftop in the book of Acts, when God puts down that screen, and it's got all these clove-hoofed animals, and God says to Peter, get up, kill, and eat, and Peter says, oh, no, 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 Lord. Nothing unclean has ever entered my mouth. Right? My ideology, my philosophy, my theology. And God says, don't call anything I've made unclean. And the next thing Peter knows, he's with a bunch of Gentiles who have the Spirit. Aren't you glad that Paul was knocked off his horse and his mind was changed? Are you glad that the Jerusalem council decides that it's okay for the Gentiles to be apart and they don't have to engage in all the ritual practices that the Jews have done for centuries? You don't seem excited. We wouldn't be here, friends, if the early Christians hadn't practiced a kind of humility that allowed them to see the signs that allowed them to hear the Spirit that moved them, that changed them, that grew them, that transformed them, that developed them along their pilgrimage of following Jesus. Sometimes it's our fear. As we said before, sometimes it's our lack of humility. There are many things that get in the way of us hearing or seeing or recognizing the Spirit of God at work in our lives. But before we get to how do we hear the Spirit of God, I think there's one other important question I want to raise, and it's this. How do we know if it's the Spirit of God? How do we know if it's the Spirit of God? Now, some of you may have had this experience in the past somewhere where someone has sort of perhaps abused this concept, misused it. I won't ask for a show of hands, but my guess is there's some people in this church today who someone in their life at some point who says, God told me this, and they did it, and it was a mess, right? Or I love this one. God told me to tell you, Joan. When my father was in college and dating my mother, a, a young college student who was a religion major came to my dad. My mother was a music major. She played the piano beautifully. My father was a math major. He was going to be a teacher. And this young man was a religion major, and he came to my father, and he said, the Lord has told me that I'm supposed to marry Sharon. Because she'll be a great addition to my ministry. Right? Remember that? I love my dad so much. Hi, Dad. He watches. 
Dad said, that's funny, the Lord hasn't said anything to me. Sometimes those stories are funny, but sometimes we've seen in the ways in which even whole groups of people can say the Spirit told us something and it becomes a real problem. We've seen misuse of this. We've seen abuse of it. So how can we know if it's truly the Spirit? Well, back to our story in the Gospel of Luke. I love the moment when the disciples recognize him, don't you? They recognize him when Jesus takes the bread. And he blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it. He blesses it, he breaks it, and he gives it. Now here's what I think. I think the disciples recognize him in that moment because Jesus is doing a Jesus-y thing. Right? They may have actually seen Jesus do that. but they saw Jesus live it. Isn't this what God does? Isn't this the Trinitarian God? God blesses God's people. I will make you a people for all nations. And then God breaks his own self in the flesh and blood of Jesus Christ for us. And then he gives it to all of us. Even gives it to us in the Spirit. This is a Jesus-y thing. This is a Trinitarian thing. And when it comes to trying to ask the question, how do I know if it's the Spirit listening to me? I want to offer you this, this way of thinking about it. I offer it humbly, but I think it might be helpful to us. I want us to remember again that the Spirit is God. The Spirit is the Trinity, the Father and the Son. So anything we think we hear from the Spirit must be consistent with the Father and the Son and consistent of what we know about God's character as revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures. Okay? That's important. If somebody says, the Spirit told me to do this, and it's not consistent with God's character and the Holy Scriptures, it ain't the Spirit. Ooh. What is the character of God, my friends? What is the central character of God that is revealed to us in the Holy Scriptures? It's this. Blessing, breaking, giving. There's a word for that, and the word is love. God is love. God's name is love. If you hear something from the Spirit of God, and it drives you towards love of neighbor, God and other and self, I think we can pretty pretty sure that's of God. That's the Spirit of God. But if you hear, you hear something from the Spirit of God that drives you toward unlove, like division, decisive, or not decisiveness, divisiveness, I don't know what words I'm trying to say. You know what I'm trying to say, right? Breaking apart people, if it's creating sanctions, it's about violence, it's about hurting others, if it's about othering, that ain't the Spirit of God. Because it's not consistent with the character of God that's revealed to us in Scripture. That's simple. Doesn't answer all the questions. Still complex to discern the Spirit. But that's where I think we have to start. God is love. God's name is love. And if you think you're hearing from the Spirit, it's got to be love. If it's not loving, it's not from the Spirit. Now, one more thing about this. I believe in communal discernment. I believe that sometimes I'm actually not even good at knowing if this is loving or not. I need to go to other people I trust. 
I need to be able to say, listen, I don't know. I think God might be saying I should go right up here. What do you think? Should I go right? What is God saying to you? Is this loving? Am I off my rocker here? Has anyone ever been off their rocker with an idea? (laughs) My wife and I joke that we often have had things wrong for our kids. Oh, I'm sure this is what my kids should do. Doesn't do it. Turns out good. (laughs) And we say, thanks be to God, they didn't follow us, right? Sometimes they should have followed us, but sometimes they shouldn't. I believe in communal discernment. I believe that's why we need pastors and spiritual friends and small groups and Sunday school classes and Wednesday night for places where we can talk to one another and share our lives together and say, I think God is talking to me about this, but I don't want to be, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to turn left if I should go right. I need you to help me think about this. Is this loving? Is this part of what it means to be hearing the Spirit of God? So friends, we have to learn to listen to the voice of the one whose name is love. And I'm worried, in fact, sometimes in some ways that even we leaders in the church have maybe, maybe we've done you a disservice. Maybe inadvertently we've communicated to you that if you come to church a couple times a month, do some random reading in your Bible, and maybe do some intercessory prayer for yourself and your family, that you're going to grow into the nature and quality and character and life of Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. But it's a little bit like me saying, I want to learn how to play piano like Lauren, but I'm going to do that by going to a few piano concerts. I'm going to look at some sheet music once in a while, learn to play Twinkle Twinkle Little Star, and I'm going to play like Lauren. It's not going to happen, is it? (laughs) That's not how it works. We have to put in the work. We have to engage in the practices. On the pilgrimage, when you're walking the pilgrimage, we say that you have to put the steps in. One step after another. One foot after another. This is a spiritual pilgrimage. And in the Christian life, in the spirit, the spiritual pilgrimage means to practice. Practice listening. Practice engaging. We also say on pilgrimage that the way is made by walking. The way is literally made by walking. Nothing's happening until you do that. By the way, I love Jesus' first command to the disciples, follow me. Walk with me. Very little instruction beyond that. (laughs) Follow me. The way is made by walking. In the Christian life, which I think is a pilgrimage from fear to love, The way is made by practicing, practicing listening. Speak to us. 
I know we're near the end, but I want you not to leave on me, okay? Because I want to invite us into a holy listening practice moment together. Some of you may have heard of Ignatius of Loyola. He was an interesting man who went from riches and wealth to being a soldier to starting the Jesuit order in the Catholic Church. He's perhaps most famous for what are called the Ignatian Exercises. It's a 30-day journey into deepening your life with Christ. And what's really interesting about it is the use of holy imagination. Ignatian felt, like many of us do, that sometimes we get so used to passages of Scripture, we get so used to our Christian walk and our faith that it, we, we kind of know what to expect before we've even heard what there is to hear. And so Ignatian created exercises that would invite people into imagining themselves into Bible stories. You would imagine the characters there. What do you see? What do you smell? What do you taste? What can you feel? Who are you in the story? Where are you in the story? Because he believed when we put ourselves in that space and that kind of vulnerability that we really allowed the Spirit of God to actually speak to us. And I want to do something like that with us today. I want to invite you right where you are, and this is different. You may have never done anything like this, especially in a service. But I want you to close your eyes if you feel comfortable. And I want you to imagine yourself on a walk, on a pilgrimage. It could be any place that you love. It should be a wonderful place that you care about, that you like. It might be by the sea, by a lake. Some of you are urban lovers, and you might be walking through a beautiful downtown area. Whatever feels wonderful to you. But I want you to, to really make it real in your imagination. What do you see? What do you hear? What kind of sounds are there? What kind of smells are around you? What might you touch? What kind of ground are you walking on? Just in a peaceful and relaxed way, imagine that scene. And now I want you to imagine that someone is walking towards you. And at first you can't recognize who it is. But as the two of you become closer and closer, you realize that it is, in fact, Jesus. See Jesus in your mind's eye. Imagine what he looks like. Imagine how he's looking at you. Of course, it's Jesus, but it's the Father and the Spirit as well. You're standing face to face with the Trinitarian God who loves you. And now I want to invite you to ask one question. There might be one question that you have on your mind. You've been asking God, the Spirit, Jesus for a long time now. It might be something that just occurs to you in this moment. It might be something you don't understand. It might be something you're interested in. It might be something that you're, you're, you're I don't know what it is for you, but I, I want you to just take a moment and ask Jesus whatever that question is that you want to ask him. Now I invite you to listen for the Spirit's response. Oh, it's okay if you don't hear a word. It might just be the felt presence of being with Christ that means everything. It might be a look. It might be a sense might be a word, it might be a sentence. Just be in that moment 
the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. you, perhaps in your mind's eye, that you and Jesus now turn the same direction. You continue walking into this pilgrimage that is our lives, a journey from fear to love. Amen. You stand with me this morning. I hope you'll take the spirit with you. I hope this might ignite your imagination for one more way that you could practice listening to God's spirit in your life. We hear God through prayer, through scripture reading, through worship, through sermons, through spiritual books. There's lots of ways to hear from God. But the ways made by walking, the ways made by practicing, the ways made by love, from the one whose name is love to us living out that love in the world. Thanks be to God. So unto him who is able to do immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine because of the spirit at work within you, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations. And all God's spirit-filled people said, amen.